Kiora, and welcome to another edition of the GeoDorable podcast with your hosts Chris Morris and Mark Thompson. For more information on this episode, visit the GeoDorable page on Facebook. Hello there, Chris. Hello, Mark, and uh, hello, listeners. Hello, listeners. How are you tonight, today, and wherever you are? They're not going to answer, Mark. Uh, well, this is we're not interactive yet. Yeah? Just leave a gap. So, hopefully, you, uh, listeners, you did answer. You answered uh, positively. I yeah, hope you're all well. Um, so, it's been uh, it's been a I'm public a holiday one. weekend here. It's been awesome. It's been uh, yes. quite chilled. Nice and uh, chillaxed. Yeah, I've done a bit of fishing, Mark, and you, I know, have been away. I have been away. Um, I've been up north to Whangarei, uh, to see yeah. Beautiful up there, Mark. Beautiful. It is. Um, and this is not a travel podcast about what we did in the holidays. No. This is the world's number one geospatial podcast for all things location intelligence, spatial analysis, mappy, yeah. webby, techie, techie. Yeah. IOT is that is that a thing IOT yeah. IOT yeah <laughs> it is and uh, on this podcast you'll find news and views uh, and uh, opinions a few uh, well in interviews. interviews we we like to interview some of the uh, the best guests you're going to find on the internet quality guests in the future and quality guests in the past Chris uh, absolutely yeah um, and one thing we would like just to put out there. If you'd like to sponsor the number one special podcast in the world, mm-hmm. feel free to get in touch with us. How would they do that, Chris? Do you know, there are so many ways that I, I think this is is why we haven't seen the sponsorship come through yet. I think there's just too many ways to get in contact. Uh, but you could get in contact um, via our Facebook page, which is uh, facebook.com slash geodorable, or you could go to our website, which is uh, geodorable.com. Or you could uh, you could send us an email, which is uh, geodorable at gmail dot uh, com, or of course you could follow us on Twitter. You could hit us up there as well, which is uh, my geodorable um, on Twitter. That's right. And the good thing about the website, Chris, is there is fifty episodes yeah. of listening material. Perhaps you'd like to go back to the beginning, find out how this all started. Perhaps you'd like to catch up on one of our great interviews with uh, Linda Hecht or Uber. Yeah, sure. Um, and uh, the show notes. So if you you yeah. do wonder what we're rubbing, you know, we mention a few things in the news. You know, you wonder yeah. what they are. You can go on our website and find the find them yourself. If you actually think something we talk about is interesting, everything we talk about is interesting, Mark. Oh, everything. <laughs> hmm. It is. And on this podcast, Chris, on this most interesting podcast, yes, uh, we have news from Esri, news from Cato. Yeah, news from here. Uh, news from the great city of Melbourne. Um, Bit of news about New Zealand because uh, we, we like to keep it real. We like to, you know, yep. that's where we come from. Most important, most importantly, and our feature item uh, is digital twins. It is, yeah. Um, and and you should uh, you should see throughout the podcast how we're trying to link things together with our news and our topic of the week. <laughs> yeah, um, we like to think we're clever. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so. Lots of reasons to carry on listening. Now, Mark, you do this so well. Would you like to uh, just just say that, that that disclaimer of ours? All right. The uh, the opinions and I know comments in this podcast are entirely our own and are nothing to do with people we work with or work for. Yeah, we 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 kind of 
say that every single week, and it seems to change a little bit every single week. Yeah, yeah but it's good. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's kind of the thought that counts, right, Mark? <laughs> it is. Um, and with that, Chris, so we get on with the news. We shall. Spatial news. Right, just the short jingle tonight. Uh, yeah, well, you know. Yeah, just to apologise here for uh, Chris, ladies and gentlemen. He's he's been had an extra day of holiday, so yeah, not used to it. He's not used to it. All right, um, Esri, Chris. Mm, I've heard yeah. of them. They're quite big in GIS, apparently. <laughs> well, they invented GIS. Oh, of course. Um, the they've built a relationship map. Which was something useful, Chris, when you were at university, wasn't it? <laughs> Working out the relationships between uh, different entities that you may have been engaged with? Uh, sure, Mark. Sure. I'm not quite sure uh, where to go with that comment, but um, nowhere is my choice. Uh, so, yeah, so they've developed... Uh, well, I, I, they mentioned this um, a few months back, but I, uh, this uh, this new blog about it um, I thought was quite interesting. So really it's about using um, arcades to uh, develop these new ways of um, visualizing uh, relationships between different data sets. Yeah, um, and they've got a great graphic there about some horizontal lines and some vertical lines making some cubes. Sometimes I wonder what our listeners would do without your uh, descriptions. <laughs> it, yes, yes. Well, um, I, I guess it's a way, a way of kind of uh, they call it. Was it the the relationship renderer? Um, <laughs> uh, but basically, yeah, it's kind of like you know uh, horizontal colors and vertical colors, and and you know how they kind oh, of merge yeah. and you know. map patterns. That, mm. um, if you're trying to imagine it when you're listening to the podcast. Um, it's like a heat map, except vertical and horizontal waves coming together. That's yeah. Again, uh, if yeah. you are trying to imagine that, that's not what I'd imagine. Well, maybe it's because it's the Bavariate choreopath mapping. That sounds better, Mark. That sounds yes. far more kind of like you know professional. Interesting Anyway, yeah. um, I mean, it looks quite useful. Um, the thing that doesn't look useful about it is it's in a web map. Do you not like web maps? Uh, they're a little bit on the unpleasant-looking side. Huh, okay, fair enough. Um, but they've got some great graphic output, so you can obviously um, move it out of the web map and make it look good. Okay, okay, moving on. Spatial news. Well, sticking with Esri Mark, um, they are about to drop uh, 150 million... Um, building footprints into ArcGIS Online. Cool. Did they copy them off Microsoft? Uh, they got them from... Hang on a second, listeners. Uh, they got it from uh, buildingfootprintsusa.com. Uh, uh, okay. So they didn't extract them, they just acquired them. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Uh, so how useful that will, will that be, Chris? How am I going to answer that? I don't know. Yeah, well, I imagine actually, if you're in the US and you've got building footprints, uh, you know, most of the properties, um, yeah, that's going to be really useful. You can do all kinds of clever stuff. Um, you know, uh, you know, building footprints are, are really useful for a whole range of different things. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So if you're in the US um, and you're interested in some building footprints data, and this links in to our um, topic of the week. It does. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 
if you're looking for building footprints and you're interested in a um, digital twin, maybe. Yeah, sure. It'd be a good place to start. Yeah, um, but it's nice that you know the Israel kind of you know providing more and more information in that kind of ArcGIS online or you know online yeah. data sets. They are they are pushing the data content side more than I expected. How much did you expect? Uh, I didn't expect it at all. If you remember back to my twenty seventeen prediction. <laughs> Well, you say that, but you know they've been, uh, you know, talking about the whole living atlas thing for quite a while. Yeah, they have. Okay, let's move on. Okay, fair enough. Spatial news. Okay, now Chris, you're down with the kids. Uh yes, I am officially down. Well, I don't know about officially, but um, this is this is the kind of stuff I absolutely love. So, um, Photophone and Carto, who um, who we know and love, um, have uh, been providing location insights at the MTV Music Festival in. Um, oh, this is a pronunciation one again, Mark. Um, Biz Bizcare. I know. I was I was just waiting for you to stumble onto it. I think that sounds about right, Bizcare. Don't you? B-I-Z-K-A-I-A? Mm, uh, you Biscay. mean the province in Spain, located just south of the Bay of Biscay. Oh, of course. Yeah, sure. Um, just there. Um, anyway, yeah, so they have been, uh, yeah, Vodafone and Carter have turned up to, uh, or have been, have teamed up to visualize party goers, or I should say, sorry, festival goers, uh, uh, who have been using a kind of, you know, using the Vodafone um, mobile network to visualize how they're moving about the city, how they're moving through the um, through the festival. Yep, and then they're also going to, after the um, after the festival, the economic and operational impact of such an event, numbers care, oh, Spanish is fantastic, mm. um, comparing to other international events. Yeah. Um, including rugby finals, so yeah, um, this is really quite interesting. Um, well, that, that's why we put it in the news, Mark. <laughs> All right, I'll just stop there. Well, no, it is really interesting, and this is part of um, Vodafone has got this. Uh, they call it the Vodafone Analytics um, platform. Uh, it's not available here in New Zealand as yet, unfortunately. Um, not quite sure whether or when it's going to be available in the states, but it's certainly available in in parts of Europe. Um, but it, yeah, it allows uh, Vodafone using Carto-based maps to to visualise, you know, people. I say people. We should say this isn't like you know individuals moving around. It's kind of you know generalised information well, about people. Sensors, but they're yep. also taking waste management, service availability, temperature, humidity, noises, energy efficiency. So they're building quite a complete picture. This really is the digital twin podcast, isn't it, Mark? Yep. Uh, mm. Animised aggregated big data. There's um, some buzzwords taking out of it. But I said we keep talking about how this is this sort of thing is future ongoing sensors, etc. Yep. Um, oh, and, yeah. And we keep being correct. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, number one for a reason, Mark. Number one for a reason. Spatial news. Now, Chris, your second favorite mapping platform. Uh, here, yes. I uh, have a new cloud service well this is this is you know hot on the hills or are in, on the hills of uh, our interview with um, uber um well in our last podcast here have announced uh here xyz the powerful location data management cloud service yeah now different differences between uber because this isn't actually open source 
no, bunch of APIs, SDKs, components, and interactive tools, etc. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so a bit more proprietary. Sure. Um, but another uh, another tool to the data visualization. Yeah, and it's uh, it's interesting to see, you know, as you say, it's another, but it's really interesting that there are quite so many and, and quite so many big players as well, you know, trying to move into this space. Yeah, and, and you'd, you'd say the space is quite crowded already. And getting more crowded, yeah. Um, you know, we can, well, we just mentioned the mic, Carto, Uber, here, um, playing in the space. And there's probably a bunch of others out there as well. Well, I was just looking from uh, you know, one of the comments about you know, in this article. This looks very much like Carto. XYZ is uh, XYZ Studio is Carto uh, Carto Builder. XYZ yes. Hub is their Postgres SQL hosting service, and XYZ Maps is uh, Carto's JS library. Anyway, um, yeah. So th- this space is uh, getting more and more crowded. But you know, this is here. This is uh, they have a shed load of data. Uh, they do, and they're quite a presence in the um, in the in the mapping world. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you go to, I think it's just uh, here. dot xyz, um, uh, you'll be able to uh, download. Uh, yeah, download the application, so to speak, and um, have a go with it. It looks it looks quite interesting. Spatial news. Uh, production qualities are amazing. Yeah, sorry, I couldn't find the, the uh, my mouse. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> but that's why we keep it friendly and informal. Totally. So, Mark, um, yeah, we we often think outside the box. Um, yeah. See what I did there. Yeah, yeah. No, this, that that's a fantastic link, Chris. That thanks again Thank makes us number one. Sure. Um, now something semi close to your homeland. Yeah, um, kind of. It's your I mean, next door neighbours, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. They hate you, but yeah. anyway. Yeah, yeah, uh, Scottish government. Indeed. Have passed a law which makes it illegal to place the Shetland Islands on an insert map of the map of Scotland. Yeah, now for many people that might mean nothing whatsoever. Um, but for, you know, people in the know or people who, you know... Uh, a kind of interest in the story. So the Shetland Islands are um, a little group of islands that are somewhere... Full of ponies. Pardon? Full of ponies. Yes, Shetland ponies. Uh, they are quite some distance off the coast of Scotland uh, and therefore, for you know, cartographic... Um, or what do you call it? Well, cartographic yeah, reasons. Halfway between Scotland and Norway, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One third of the way. Um, Close so to Scotland. So on maps, they are often in, you know put inside an insert box, right? Which is a pretty common thing to do, I think. Yeah. Um, um, but not anymore. Well, yeah, I do wonder if, if all the other problems in Scotland have been fixed. And this, well, this is the only problem they have This is fixed. the last problem they had, and, and then the government's going to turn off the lights and walk out. Uh, uh-huh. Mic drop and just, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I doubt it. I've been to Glasgow. Sorry, Glaswegians. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I mean, there, there's, an, there, there's a group of people not to piss off. Um, <laughs> like you just did. Um, oh, I love it, really. Been there many times. Beautiful place. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah. I don't think they noticed. The um, I, Putting things in a box because they're not quite in the right place makes the map more readable. Yeah, and, and I do wonder whether this is, I mean, you know, 
It's just a standard cartographic principle that's been around for donkey's years. I, you know, yeah. Mm. I mean, to be fair, looking at the scale, like I'm just on the map now, at about the border, mm. um, and two things are on the map, Glasgow, Edinburgh. I mean, there are other places in Scotland. And then the Shetlands. And then you can see about a, th- a quarter of um, Norway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just... Um, oh, yeah, and all of Denmark. I, it's not that useful to not put them in a box. It's not that useful not to put them in a box. Yeah, it's more useful to put them in the box, is what I mean to say. What about the Faroe Islands, Mark? Should they be boxed or not? That's a good question. Hmm... I mean, New Zealand has a similar problem with Chatham and Auckland. Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, Islands that are far away from New Zealand. Yeah. Um, but we put them in a box. And I don't think they feel too bad about it. No, I, I think the Chathams actually prefer um, some sort of physical border between <laughs> New Zealand and the Chathams. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, I don't know. If you're producing a map of Scotland, make sure you don't put Shetland in a box. Well, surely it's only illegal if you're in Scotland. Ooh, good call. We need to go to our international law team for that. Has this been passed by the UN? I don't think so. I think it's just the Scottish government. Okay. All right. And that's the part of... Well, do, you think, Europe, you know. do you think what will happen is the Shetlands, like New Zealand, will just often be left off the map? <laughs> you know? I think so. Okay, let's move on. Spatial news. Now, Chris, I know you don't like to, but you have hit pedestrians, right? I have what? Sorry, what? what? Driven into pedestrians. Uh, no, 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 I definitely haven't. Oh, okay. That must have got you confused with someone else. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but the good news for, you, for people who aren't like you, mm-hmm. who have issues with pedestrians, mm-hmm. uh, is that the city of Melbourne has a pedestrian counting system. It does, and this is really interesting because it's it's that combination of uh, IoT. So they've got um, they're using a whole bunch of sensors to calculate or you know count pedestrians as they uh, as they walk past or walk under a sign, and then they're putting it on a map. Now that doesn't sound revolutionary, Mark. It's things on a map. Well, yeah, and we always like to say get off the map. We do, but I mean it's a web map and it's real time and it's using IoT. Yeah, and you combine those three things, you know, you've you've kind of got the future of GIS right there. I think web map's been um, trademarked by Esri. Is it? It's a map on the web. Okay, well, if we want to be pedantic about it, <laughs> it's a map box, map on the web. Um, so what makes it interesting? I suppose it's the whole IoT thing senses again back to our um, Spanish story about the music, MTV music. Well, it is, and I think the, the you know again you know why is why is this interesting? We we talking about digital twins, okay? So knowing where people are moving around uh, is pretty important. Um, so having being able to kind of see in near real time where people are moving, I think, is important for that kind of digital twin um, space. Um, but uh, also, you know, if you, if you're a retailer, you know, you want to know what your footfall is outside uh, outside of your shop. Yeah. And at the moment, they pay like you know. Not a lot of money, but they pay money to have, you know, surveys done, um, you know, retailers. So, yeah, um, yeah this is a, a great way. I think it's a it's a really good thing that the city of Melbourne are doing. It is. Now, does it say the data is um, open? 
Yeah, it is because uh, I was looking at this last week at work, and you can go in and download the data. Excellent. Mm. That that sounds like it's uh, very beneficial for many people. Yeah, well, as long as you're in Melbourne. But you know, other other cities take note. You know, and I'm sure other cities already do this. But um, yeah, it was that nice combination of uh, IoT and your you know your web map and your real time. You know, that's that's uh, it's a good thing I think, and we're only going to see more of it. Yeah. Spatial news. Now, keeping it real, Chris. Mm. Keeping it on the street, giving it some cred. Mm-hmm. Uh, comes in street cred. Mm. Um, so this is pretty interesting. So street cred is a, a new company that's um, that's been created, uh, and um, really, what they're, they're trying. Well, what they what they're trying to do is. I was trying to think of a decent analogy, and the only thing I could really come up with is is kind of like they're a bit like the commercial side of um, OpenStreetMap. Well, By which I mean they will pay you to map. Well, upload data, yeah. Um, so they're developing a protocol which will incentivize the collection and maintenance of data for places mm. and people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, so you... Basically, there's some sort of incentive. I'm not sure it's actually money. No, no, no. It's uh, it's Bitcoin. Oh, is it? Hmm. Oh, brilliant. And uh, how much Bitcoin do I get for for uploading data? Uh, I don't know. All right. Hmm. So not something I should maybe give up my day job for, but if I had a hobby of um, collecting special data, which which is quite an interesting hobby to have. Yep. I could actually uh, make that hobby pay for itself, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And I think that you know the nice thing here is that you know they they're still trying to be open. So you know this this kind of data collection system, um, you know, not not tied to a company, um, but but it allows people to go out and collect data and and as you say, you know, be incentivized to do it. And I think that's the important part. Um, you know, you want to make sure data's accurate. And one of the ways you can do that is is incentivizing people to do so on your behalf. Yeah, mm. um, and Bitcoin's a good way to do it. Uh, yeah, totally. Um, you know, and it's um, yeah. yeah. I think it it, it could be something that um, we'll see a lot more of. Well, but I think they're also talking about the data storage, etc., as well. So mm-hmm. using blockchain technology or what have you to try and make the data open and available yep whereas um open street map we kind of rely on open street map being available mm-hmm. so they're, they're they're testing this at the moment so there's uh there's a what would i call it a program called uh, map new york city um and it's a contest for new yorkers to earn bitcoin by mapping the places that make the city amazing um and you can download an app and you can go out there and you can gather information capture photos uh, about you know people or places across the city uh, and then you earn points for every place you add uh, and the more points you get the more prizes you win obviously um, because points prizes. win prizes yeah um so yeah I, I quite like the way that yeah street credit doing this kind of map new york city to, to you know to kind of get a feel for the market it's clever yeah yeah it is clever and it's it should be should be self-perpetuating 
Uh, yeah, so the, I'm just having a look here. The New York Mac community has collected uh, 20,059 places currently. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, All right, make clever. that money. Oh, there we go. Spatial news. And Chris, finally, mm-hmm. uh, you've been out networking. Yes, indeed. So, um, for those outside uh, New Zealand's fair shores, uh, we have something every year called the New Zealand um, Spatial Excellence Awards, which are a um, whether they're part of the uh, a wider kind of Asia Pacific um, program of awarding excellent problem, uh, projects with some form of spatial uh, element, uh, you know, awards every year. Uh, and it's judged by uh, some independent judges, I think 10 or so judges, and a number of categories. And um, the winner wins, you know, something. Well, they win a nice award. They like win, a, a, win a trophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, and so, yes, it was uh, last last week we had the New Zealand Spatial Excellence Awards, which I attended in Wellington. Um, and they did things a little bit different this year. So um, in previous years, there's been a big... Um, you know, dinner with, uh, you know, black tie and food and wine and so forth. Yeah, this one's much more casual. Well, it was, yeah. So uh, no big dinner, but um, cheaper tickets. Uh, and it was just an opportunity to, uh, to to network, to meet lots of people, uh, some of whom you know, some of whom you haven't met before, uh, to have a, a, a closer talk with the finalists. Um, yeah, it was good. Now, I noticed, Chris, um, were you wearing a blue blazer at all? Uh, no. I you weren't. What about a blue shirt? No. No open neck shirt? Yes. Right. Okay. So, yeah, just looking through the fashion of wear, yet again, uh, men are predictably boring. <laughs> I can't remember seeing anything uh, outstanding, um, you know, that, that caught my eye. But um, people, I mean, people were making a bit of an effort. Sure, I, I wasn't. I was one bow tie, but yeah. Hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you check out um, NZSEA on Twitter, you'll be able to see all the uh, the, the finalists and the uh, the eventual winners. And the lacking of fashion. And the lack of fashion, of course, yes. Um, I think, Mark, that's that's the news. It is. That is the news. And uh, after the news, we always like to have a good talk around the uh, fireplace. Chatter on the far side, open a bottle of uh, port. Sure. And uh, talk about the topic of the week. Topic of the week. Um, I mentioned port, Chris, because I was uh, sampling some rather nice Penfolds port. Were you? Are we yes. sponsored by Penfolds? Oh, uh, no, sp- no, no, but um, yet again, we're. <laughs> if anyone would like to sponsor us. Well, how would they reach us, Mark? Uh, they'd get in contact on uh, email, geodorable mm-hmm. at gmail. They could get us on Twitter. Mm-hmm. They could get us on Facebook, or they could go to geodorable.com. Or if, if if you're completely lost with all technology, go to google.com and type in geodorable, and we're the first 10 hits. We're the first 10 hits? I don't know. I'm making that up. We're, 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 definitely, we're definitely the first hit. I mean, we're number one, right, in many things, including um, yeah, Google searches for us. <laughs> yes. Pretty sad if you weren't. Um, so yeah, if you'd if you'd like to share with us some thoughts, some news, some views, or a sponsorship opportunity, we'd mm. be welcome to uh, to hear from you. 
Uh, and with that, let's uh, should we get on with with the topic of the week? Now we've we've alluded to it a little bit um, uh, in previous comments, but um, we're, we're going to talk about the digital twin. Now, Chris, you have twins. I do identical twins, which is why this topic and, uh, is so interesting. Are one of them digital? Is one of them digital? Uh, if one of them is, I haven't found the uh, off switch yet. They're both pretty <laughs> full on all the time. Right. Okay, and you're not thinking of getting digital twins of your twins? Why would I want extra? <laughs> Just no. So, I mean, they're lovely. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, they're good kids and everything, but I don't need any more of them. <laughs> mm, definitely not. All right. Well, so what? what is a digital twin? And why are we talking about it on a geospatial podcast? Oh, well, uh, shall we start with the uh, the what first? So um, a digital twin, it's a, it's a virtual model, right, of a process or a product or a service. And, and I guess the intention is that um, if you build the digital thing, then you can run simulations against it. You can analyze it. Well, you know, yes, you can monitor it. Well, I, I just feel like I need to jump in there, Chris. You, you jump away, mate. Just just before anyone goes, hey, isn't that just like a CAD thing? Mm. Um, so yeah, digital twins. If you if you Google it, there's Boeing do digital twins, Rolls Royce engines. Mm. As you said, it's it's a, it's built inside a virtual engine, a virtual machine, right? And you can run it as a normal one, but it takes live data feeds. Mm-hmm. That's that's the difference. Yep. So it's not just about the Oh, I've built this. Like you do, you've done. You know, people have done it in CAD for ages. Built the built the model, right? And then they build it. The um, the benefit of the digital twin is then you're then able to input real time, real world information. Um, so things like um, oh, what do you call those windmill farms? Yep, wind generations. They yep. build that and monitor real life um, wind. <laughs> Who would have guessed? That. that <laughs> Wow, Mark, wow. Um, but the point of that is that they're feeding uh, events and environments into the model that can only exist in the real world because if you'd existed only in the digital world, you wouldn't know about them. Sure, I think. I'm trying to follow that through. Well, I, nothing beats real world. That's true. And that's yeah. the point of the digital twin is to try and understand flaws or efficiencies that can be gained. Now you uh, you posed the other question uh, earlier was about why are we talking about this with uh, when we're a GIS spatial or podcast? Well, why then, Chris? Oh, nicely handed over, Mark. Thank you. Um, well, actually, it was quite interesting uh, at the uh, the Azure UC uh, this year. There was quite a lot of commentary around digital twins, um, and um, I'm, I guess I'm struggling a little here to 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 make the distinction between the digital twin and a smart city. But it seems as though that maybe the digital twin is the, the, the kind of the, I don't know, the next version of a smart city. It's being well, able to use that smart city information to then model the city using that real world or real world feedback of, of information from various yeah. sensors. So let's start with the basics. I build a 3D city. Mm. Okay. So I've collected my LiDAR and I've got some lovely um, rendering. I've got some photos and stuff. Um, but then my uh, city gets out of date mm-hmm. um, because it was built at a time and place. Um, and now I also want to run some, I don't know, let's let's put some traffic simulations through that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but what is the traffic? Well, we think it's about this or that sort of thing. Yep. The digital twin takes that static 3D model and enables you to um, visualize the re- what's happening in the real world or what can happen in the real world. And that's useful because... Because, again, nothing beats real-world experience, Chris. Mm. The theory's all fine. Mm. See, You're not excited. Well, I don't know. I don't know how excited. I, I, I can understand, right? If you're if you're working on something like a, you know, you mentioned Rolls Royce and, and and an engine, right? So if you're if you've got one of these uh, digital twin models of a jet engine, which is quite pertinent for us in New Zealand at the moment, whose uh, Dreamliner fleet are in trouble at the moment because of the Rolls Royce engine failure. But anyway, um, you'll need to Google that to fully understand it. Uh, but you know, I can understand in that example because there, there there's almost like a finite number of of bits of information that... well, no, but, but, okay so i mean it's going to be hard wow is it going to be hard to jump when you see you know plane crash disasters on tvs you know mm-hmm. and they talk about afterwards what they think happened well, imagine being able to put that back into the model or if you've got thousands of flights going everywhere put that back into the model and being able to run it and then understanding where the scenarios are then yeah now that i get 3D right city see well so okay let's start simple for you chris i want to build a new skyscraper mm-hmm. now i'm in now the uh, planning commission is concerned they have my shadow mm-hmm. um and they want to understand the impact and they also understand the uh the what do you call it the view so what impact will my new skyscraper have on existing views and shadow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now you could already do that with a three D city. Yeah, right? yeah, I mean that's that's been around for for a number of number of years. Yeah. Um, so the ability of the tw- digital twin is to actually put that up with other activities that are going on at the same time as their building may be constructed. Yeah, what does that mean, though? Other things, like what? Or other activities in the city. So if we know what the pedestrians are like from, I don't know, it's going to take a year, right, to build your building, and we know what the pedestrians are like down that street, we can then put in uh, real-world information to build models to understand the impact you're going to have. I don't understand why that's digital twin. See that 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 for me is just doing some analysis. Okay, I mean maybe this isn't helped by um, someone like well, I mean you don't want to name names, but people who move from cardboard to three D cities and call it a digital twin. Mm. That's that's not a digital twin. That's just a three D city without using cardboard. I, I guess my 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 issue I think is that you know. People often describe, um, you know, cities as, as kind of living, breathing, kind of almost like, you know, they're, they're alive, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there is so much information being fed into, uh, you know, into the city from, you know, traffic, people, weather, um, you know, so many different bits of information being fed through all the time. How, how can you possibly hope to model all of that? Well, I think that's maybe one of the struggles that the um, digital city has Mm. 
is mm. that there are a lot of variables going on. But I mean, not not, not a lot. There, there's more variables going on than you can possibly imagine. You know, everything is is going on from you know the traffic lights, the oh, you know. Yeah, but haven't you just painted a a, a picture of big data and AI? Yeah, learning? I yes, yeah, yeah. I I just don't. I just think there's too much. There's too much because most of the stuff, and I might be generalizing it, but you know, most of the stuff it's caused by people, and people are, you know, people are odd at the best of times. They make strange decisions at the best of times, and how do you model that? You know. So you sort of, um, I don't know, we haven't really discussed this, but supporting like an Avengers Affinity War solution where half the population is just annihilated. I haven't watched the movie. Don't know if I should admit that on the podcast. I haven't watched it, don't I? Right. <laughs> just just through taking the the podcast to a darker place there, Chris. Have I? Yeah. Uh, are people going to go, oh, these podcasts, number one, but they haven't watched the year well, Avengers? Have. have you? Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Am I taking it somewhere? <laughs> I don't know. Is there a digital um, twin in the what? Avengers movie? Oh, that's a good question. Now I'm having to struggle. Um, anyway. I think what you're highlighting is the problem of creating a digital twin. And if you see Singapore, you know, um, Shapur, Singapore, uh, Rings, mm. um, they've all got, they're the leading cities of, of digital twins. Yep. And when you look at the information they provide, what they're able to do is look at small segments of their city and, and do some real-time analysis of what's going on. Um, I, so I guess un- unable to render all the buildings in the city. They can only render, I don't know, fifty or a hundred. I guess the thing I, I'm I'm not overly sure about is whether, you know, digital twin. I can understand for you know engineering and CAD and you know I can understand it in in those scenarios. I just don't understand whether or not this is just a term that you know a few people have heard and have tried to coin the term and. Have appropriate it for kind of GIS and spatial analysis when you don't actually need to. It doesn't need a name. It's just analysis. We've been doing it for ages. Like, you know, why why, why has it suddenly got to be called Digital Twin? I think for this, well, it's the next step on from BIM. So spatial and BIM. Hang on, we've only just got to grips with BIM. We can't change the name now. Well, now we're doing Digital Twin. BIM to Twin. BIM to Twin. Uh, You heard it here first, kids. (laughs) I mean, but, I mean that, that that's a good question. Okay, so you know, BIM. The way I like to think about it is, BIM is about the building, and GIS is about the stuff that happens outside the building. And then what? A smart. Is it, is it, uh, yeah. yeah. Again, get in touch with us if you're finding Chris a little bit controversial tonight. I'm not being controversial. Oh, you wanted to annihilate half the population of the earth. But, yeah, that's not controversial. Um, <laughs> But, you know, if, if BIM's the building, GIS is outside the building, the stuff around it, the environment, um, then you've got kind of a smart city, which is sensors within the city, modelling, I guess, about the city. And then you've got digital twin, which is what bringing everything together, maybe under an umbrella yeah, term. That's great. You've explained it well, Chris. I'm glad you've comprehended what I've been trying oh, to Oh, I understand explain. it now. Oh, it's awesome. We should get two. Um, I'm still not sure. I, 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 I kind of... Mm. Well, one thing, if you took out the city, you could have a digital twin of a road network. Mm. 
that's something that would excite you being in the transportation industry. What about a digital twin of a farm in the agricultural industry? Yeah, hang on, hang on. Right, okay, you said digital twin of the road network. Isn't that just what Google's doing? No. You know, you're going, why not? It's got the road network and it's got traffic based on sensors. Why is that, why is that isn't, isn't that a digital twin? <laughs> Answer me now, Mark. Answer me now. Because it hasn't got the name digital twin. Right. It's just got a road they, network with sensors yeah. on it. Mm. And you're unable to use it for planning and infrastructure. It's just there to help Google sell advertising. No, you can use it for planning and infrastructure. That's the whole, you know. Anyway, you anyway. can use their API. You can ask it questions. You can get responses from it. Okay. So, in conclusion. What? We can't conclude now, Mark. I mean, we, we're just, we're just scratching this. We're scratching the service. So, are you saying, Chris, this is just a buzzword? Uh, no, I, I believe digital twin is a term that has relevance in an engineering context. I'm just not so sure about you know about taking that term and applying it to to. So you, so you think they work in a a uh, limited enclosed environment, shall we say? Yeah, kinda. Like I, I think farm, like the yeah. engine. Yep. Yeah. Stuff where you can kind of understand the inputs. But you do understand the inputs. I think... I don't think I mean, you do. I'd hate, I'd hate to take your sight or, or prove that I was listening. But what you said was there was a lot of inputs into a city that make them very complex. Mm. So I was listening. Mm. Um, and, and therefore, there is limited ability to analyze that or to provide something useful unless you start restricting the number of inputs you've got coming in. No, I think I, I I think what I was there there are you know a a car crash for example doesn't just happen right it's there's a cause you know and it's working out well what is that cause for that crash right as an example you know and it could be the person wasn't paying attention well in which case why weren't they paying attention oh they were looking at something else what was there something else they're looking at and and all i mean is that you know there is a there is a a, a huge kind of um complexity i think about modeling a city that um you don't have to face if you're modeling something else maybe mm. um so yeah this uh this leads on to our one of our Hopeful interviewers, we're interviewees. Mm. We're going to talk actually to someone who works with digital twin cities. Oh, thank goodness for that. I thought our poor listeners just had to listen to us too. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's almost like we planned it, Mark. It's almost like we planned it. So, um, this is really part one of a two part series on digital twins. <sighs> wow. That's a bombshell to end on, isn't it? And that's pretty good. That is pretty good. And this is where we say back to the studio, but we're already in the studio. Uh, yeah. Uh, so coming up in the, hopefully the next podcast, if not the podcast later, um, part two of Digital Twins. Mm-hmm. More exciting news. Oh, totally. Um, probably some Esri stuff, but also uh, be lots of other stuff. More, um, I, I, I would predict the future and say we're going to talk about IoT and sensors again. Uh, well... I think it's almost—it's a weekly occurrence, right? Well, <laughs> podcast occurrence, anyway. Yeah. Hmm. 
And with that, Chris, uh, thank you to our listeners. Uh, yeah, thank you for listening. And if you have any comments, well, you know how to get hold of us. If you've got any questions like Chris has about digital twins. Uh, um, direct them at other people who <laughs> understand it more than I do. Well, direct them to us and we will uh, pass them on to our export. Expert. Export. Mm. Um, who's coming up on the show later. And get in touch with us. We'd love to hear your correspondence. Yeah, we do, um, totally. Yeah, no export to shapefile this week. Um, I think there's just been a little too, bit too much holidaying going on. Yeah, not enough uh, not enough research or, yeah, what's the word? Um, training. Training, prep, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm. But, yeah, catch us next week and get in touch. Yeah, goodbye.